Welcome to How I Grew My Practice, the podcast where health professionals share the behind the scenes stories of how they built a thriving practice. Each episode will uncover surprising challenges, victories, and life lessons learned throughout their journeys. Let's get started. Welcome to How I Grew My Practice, a 15 minute podcast sponsored by Next Health. My name is Al Goldman. I lead content here at Next Health, uh, being joined today by Amol Nirgudkar, the CEO of Patient Prism. He's here to talk to us about how DSOs are leveraging AI to keep their practice schedules full. Amol, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Alec, uh, very much. I appreciate being on your podcast. Cool. Uh, to get started, if you don't mind, just tell us and share with us a little bit about yourself, uh, give us some of your history, what's going on at uh, Patient Prism. Well, I accidentally started in this business. Uh, I ran a CPA firm in the dental and the healthcare space for over 15, 16 years, doing all sorts of stuff from taxes to consulting to mergers and acquisitions. And and during that period of time, I fell in love with dentistry and, and how dentists ran their practices. So I focused a lot of my CPA firm on improving dental practice revenues or expenses and, and stuff like that. And, and lo and behold, like eight years ago, I started a marketing company to help dentists acquire the right kind of patients. This was just a fun project. And um, that fun project led me to understand that, okay, well, here are the challenges for practice growth. Um, and we were one of those companies who went to dental offices and said, hey, what kind of patients would you like to see? And then we delivered those patients via all sorts of technology. Those, all the stuff that SEO was just coming about and video marketing and all that stuff. And one of the things we realized during that process that no matter how good we were and effective we were in driving uh, leads uh, or patient phone calls into the dental offices, if those offices didn't have the ability to close that deal on the phone, which means schedule an appointment, all that marketing dollars were going to waste. So Patient Prism was born out of that need uh, to get more patients to schedule appointments. Um, and, and so we said, I asked a simple question at the time. I was not this technologically savvy that I am today running AI company for many years. I asked my co-founder, I'm like, could we teach Alexa how to understand dentistry? And uh, he's like, sure. I mean, he's very nonchalant. He's like, sure. I'm like, what do you mean, sure? Uh, and, and lo and behold, we utilize something that powers Alexa, powers Siri, powers all these devices. Um, which is the division of AI called natural language processing, which teaches machines uh, how to understand human language. And we, we leveraged that technology, started building a product um, that, that would allow dental practices to understand who's not booking, why are they not booking, and what they could do about it. So that's the birth of Patient Prism. Very cool. I mean, before jumping into, I'm sure, all the new technology that you guys are working on at Patient Prism and the thoughts that you have there. It might be a silly question, but what are some of the key goals for DSOs in 2023? And are those changing year over year from what you've seen in the past? Well, some are changing, um, primarily because the dynamics of the dental market changed post pandemic, right? Um, but for the most part, everybody has the same goals. The industry is maturing and it kind of started 20 years ago, accelerated in the last decade and then kind of is now in its third 3.0 phase of growth, right? 3.0 is that you know, there was a first set of DSOs that came about. They, they became very big, like Heartland and PDS and Aspen. They've built amazing businesses. 
the the next 2.0 was right before the pandemic where there was a lot of emerging groups starting uh, to form to aggregate practices and hopefully create the next heartland or the pds or whatever it was and it's great um many of them in the pandemic their their business models were tested uh to see if if they were doing they were in it for the right reason do they are they really providing support services uh to to their to their uh, uh, members and then the 3.0 version really evolved after the pandemic where now everybody's honing on to the what the business model needs to be uh but but and and and, and i think there is some amazing activity going on with emerging groups that are trying to figure out how to leverage various things to improve the patient experience and those are kind of i think there is a lot of thought put into patient experience now and the patient journey but but if you were to ask me i mean what are the top goals that dso's have today uh one is i think the number one goal i don't think anybody would disagree with me is same store growth right same store organic growth everybody wants to do that cuz that's what all the investors want right i mean at, at the end of the day it's not because uh, it 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 shows you how the health of the practice is right you want to have good same store growth at the same time you want to have good margins right in the same time you know you cannot have growth that comes at a very high cost you want to have good operating margins and good ebitda margins because those matter you want do- hopefully double digit same store growth hopefully you want double digit ebitda margins and that's the goal that people have um in in the spirit of of having better margins in 2023 the big thing that i'm hearing from the dso's is how do we cut costs right because obviously as we know we're in a very a rate hiking environment inflation is out there and the federal reserve has basically doubled interest rates uh, over the last year which is the fastest it's ever done it in the history so all of a sudden if you were paying uh, 7% on your debt all of a sudden you're paying 11% so that's squeezing margins um, not ebitda margins because ebitda is added back but but squeezing cash right so there's less cash so they're figuring out how to meet budget by reducing costs so growth is number 1 reducing costs is number 3 capacity is number 3 and number 2 reducing costs is number 2 improving capacity how do we see more patients within the constrained environment that we had right it's not that easy to just go out there and you know expand capacity right patient demands always been high in in and and despite only 50% of patients actually calling a dental office so we have a huge huge opportunity in dentistry to get more people in the mix but but how do we increase capacity right how do we how do we increase capacity to see more patients within the constraints that we have is a huge concern right now because days booked out is is a huge factor currently uh in in the SOs dental practices i mean sometimes new patients have to wait 100 days to to, to get a new appointment 100 days is not acceptable well they're not going to show up right we're going to have lots of no shows and cancellations because nobody wants to wait today in today's world in instagram snapchat tiktok world nobody has the patience to wait 3 months to see a dentist if they want something they want it now they want the dopamine now right they want all the chemicals now and and and, and the exciting chemicals um so capacity is capacity is important you know and and, and they are sort of thinking about how to creatively think about adding more capacity uh, recruitment and retention is a huge deal uh, it's been there for a long time but there is a bunch of in the hygiene for example the hygiene area many hygienists retired during the pandemic they don't want to come back so there is a shortage of doctors and hygienists 
Um, but there's also a shortage of assistants. There's also a shortage of front office. So overall, we are we are in a shortage environment, and the ADA says we're going to be in that environment till I think 2026 or 27. So so recruiting uh, the right people on the bus and retaining them um, is is a very big goal for DSOs. And I think the fifth thing that I would say it's it's, it's kind of my my thought uh, into this process is. I think DSOs are struggling, um, have struggled as they grow in size and number and people and, 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 and all the things that grow with an organization that has more and more practices, they're, they're struggling or they're aspiring to convert information they have into insight. And they want to convert that insight into foresight so that they have a more predictable way of growing, right? And what do I mean by that? In, you know, information means the stuff that you have in your electronic health records, in all your systems that you have. It's information, it's data, right? For the longest time, uh, we've had um, many of these. There's, there's many. There has been a focus over the last ten years on oh, key performance indicators. What are they like? You know, we need to look at those things. But, but what happens is, as you grow the organization, um, you, you, you you almost quadruple, quintuple the amount of information that you have to process. And that's just information, right? Information is, is it tells you what happened, you know? Uh, and insight is idea of why did it happen, right? Insight is also a crystallization of this amount of information and then converting into this amount of information. So I just want to know what happened, why did it happen? Not, not what happened, but why did it happen? What could have prevented something from happening, a bad, a bad thing? If something good happened, then why did that happen? Can we replicate that everywhere else? So that's what I mean by converting data or information or hindsight, right? hindsight, what happened in the past, to insight of why, what could have been done, and, and, and that insight. And crystallizing data information into insight, and then getting that insight and creating some foresight, which is, what could we do next time? Um, or what could we do to prevent something from happening? Uh, for example, what could we, how, how could we, okay, we had five cancellations. How do we fill that up? Right? We have five cancellations. Look, now all of a sudden we have gaps in the schedule tomorrow. What do we do? So understanding we had five, five cancellations is important. That's hindsight, right? Uh, why did those cancellations happen? That's insight. And the ASOs want to know that. And what could we do to fix that? That's foresight. And as long as they evolve um, as an industry from, from taking information, converting that into insight and getting foresight, I think that's going to be a goal, I believe, of all DSOs going forward. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess my question to you is, how is technology enabling, I mean, you had five different goals. Um, specifically on growth and um, reducing costs, but even as far as helping folks uh, develop that foresight and being predictive. Um, my, my question to you here is, how's technology impacting the DSO space to achieve a handful of those goals? Well, well, in terms of growth, right? Um, the first way technology is helping is figuring out how to properly market to the right patients. Because at the end of the day, if you wanna grow your business, there's multiple ways of multiple levers of growth. You you absolutely need new patients, um, and 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 so there's marketing technology right now 
um, that is utilized uh, by marketing folks uh, in, in, in understanding what the demographic of people around the people want. So there's there's a technology being used in marketing, whether it's bidding for AdWords, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, paid paid campaigns, uh, digital campaigns across even Instagram and TikTok and, and social media. So technology is being used for patient acquisition, um, and and not just patient acquisition. The the smart guys are doing it for the right kind of patient acquisition, which means are the right people calling. Right. So that technology is being used. Um, hold on a second. The right technology is being used in 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 getting the right patients and marketing to the right people and getting all those objectives done. Technology is being used in our context, for example, to make sure all those people who are calling are actually booking an appointment uh, in terms of understanding those those kind of conversations and making sure that every patient is moving forward in their journey uh, so that the one they call the first our only obligation is is to make sure that we convert. We call that conversion optimization. Technically, the term was invented by Google, and they call conversion optimization something different. I'll talk about it later. Um, but so are, are patients, are the right people coming in? Technology is used to do that. Are they booking? Technology is used to do that. Technology is also used uh, right now in, in terms of uh, diagnosing the patient and getting them to accept treatment. So that's, that's, that's a huge role of technologies that's playing um, more so than ever before. Um, technology is also used in collections and revenue cycle management. You know, are we collecting? You know, there's robotic process automation being used uh, to look at claims and verification and eligibility. Uh, technology is being used to look at, you know, uh, uh, look at claims and, and cleaning up the claims, validating all the all the data before they're submitted to the insurance company, so that we get a better acceptance rate. Um, so there's a lot of technology being used, and I think that's a big growth area for for the DSO in the dental world is how do we make a very inherently inefficient process of submitting to insurance and collecting back from insurance? How do we make that a little more simpler? And how do we make that um, less human-centric, right? That's the point of technology, right? The point of technology is not to replace a human, is to allow a human to be more efficient so that they can do things that, that, that they want to do. Um, which is most likely spend time with the patient, right? And earn their trust and give them great customer service. Um, the, the point of a human is not to stay on the, with the insurance company for two hours waiting on hold to verify a customer. We, we should let, that, let technology do that because how much value does it add to anybody in the ecosystem when we're on the phone for two hours just waiting um, to, uh, to, get the, you know, to get verify patient information? So that is, is a big part where technology is helping in revenue cycle. And I think the big thing that I believe um, technology is helping is to really first, you know, just, I think enhance the patient journey from the time they start. And, 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 and the most important thing, as we know in dentistry, is that, okay, it's, you want to acquire new patients. Wonderful, right? That's important. But at the end of the day, and that's what in, in marketing speak, that's top of the funnel, right? We're acquiring patients coming in, but what do you want to do once they come in? Uh, you want to make sure that they are moving forward. They're, you know, uh, accepting your diagnosis. They're accepting your treatment, and then the most important thing for you to do is 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 they are nurtured uh, so that they are retained, right? Because you don't want to acquire all these patients on 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 the left side of the funnel. Let's say it's on the left, and they're moving through the stuff. They come in for one visit, and they just don't come back. 
So uh, apparently the statistics are are out there, uh, but but the but the bottom of the funnel leak, which means the patients who are leaving actively leaving the practice uh, on a monthly basis, is anywhere between twenty five to thirty new patients are leaving the practice. Um, so so what happens is, what's the point? You know, when you have a leak, big leaky bucket, you know, all you do is spend more money on marketing, get more people in, but then then people are falling off that. So the big thought process is how do we get customers that are already customers of ours, right? To come in to, to get the treatment that they we have presented them, to come in for their routine visits for hygiene every six months, for their hygiene maintenance every three months. Um, and how do we get that get them into those sequences where, where uh, we can use technology to activate them, um, to take the next step for their own oral health, right? So somebody has postponed a crown for like six months how do we activate them in the way they want to be activated right well some people a lot of people want to be activated over text right but how do we create technologies that are going to nurture the patient in the way a 2023 patient wants to be nurtured not in the way a 2019 or a 2020 patient wants to be nurtured or a 2010 patient wants to be nurtured yes we want to send them reminders and all that stuff that's great but we, I think technology is going to need to help. And I think it's helping. Uh, part of what you guys are doing uh, over there Next Health is also uh, is, is where we are thinking about what the patient wants today, the convenience they want, right? They want to do online uh, appointment. They want to be able to chat with somebody. They want to be able to quickly figure out. Um, uh, and, and as long as we can deliver that uh, to them through technology, uh, so that's it. In, in in the area of nurturing and automation is where I think technology is going to really shine uh, in the next few years in, in the DSO world and in the, in, in the overall dental world. I think it's going to help us um, really grow this industry from where it is today to almost five to six times its size. Yeah, agreed. Um, Amol, if you don't mind, so there's lots of technology that has, has been out there within regards to uh, bidding on Google keywords and leveraging technology like HubSpot and all these different market uh, automation tools. Can you share a little bit on the newer technology or perhaps new AI technology um, that is really enabling growth for DSOs? Well, um, I mean, I'll start with my own because uh, because it starts at the front of the funnel, right? Um, yeah. You know, one of the one of the big things that we've done is is used a combination of AI. Uh, natural language processing, neural networks, uh, deep learning, um, even even to an extent, um, what what GPT has done over the year over the past few months, um, we don't ne necessarily use that specific technology, but but the thought process that went in training um, a model a language model, we did it in house, um, but but the idea was to be able to understand a patient conversation in real time on the phone. Because remember, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, that there's lots of patients who are calling the dental office um, or the DSO uh, based on these marketing marketing leads and marketing um, uh, campaigns, but only maybe 55 to 60% of them are actually booking an appointment. And, and that was a big waste of marketing money, right? Because I mean, you spend the money to drive the lead in and, and you're not able to book. And, and as a result these practices were not growing as much as they should have grown. So what 
what AI, what Patient Prism does currently is, is first it evaluates, you know, um, are, are the right patients calling number one, right? Are the right patients calling the in the right amount at the right cost, right? So, so you want, okay, I'm an implant dentist. I want to see more implant calls coming into my, my phone, right? Because I have hired a marketing company or I have a marketing director that wants me to drive more implant leads into my office. And that's their job, right? And so I want, I go back to my marketing days and say, hey, I, I, I was held accountable for driving the right type of growth. Not any growth, the right type of growth. And the right type of growth is the most profitable growth. And what's the most profitable is those high value new patients, right? They drive a lot of high, 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 you know, high growth, right? So if you're an implant dentist, if you see, you know, if you place four implants a month versus 10 implants a month, the profitability is just outstanding because after your fixed costs have met all, I mean, almost 70% of that implant production is profit. So, so what we do is we understand the conversation to understand, did the right patients call and did they book an appointment? And, and number two is you know, in the right amount of the right cost, but did they book an appointment? So technology helps uh, from our perspective to figure out mar is marketing effective and is your front office effective in getting uh, uh, those people in the door? And if we're not booking them, then it also, the AI also helps in understanding that do you have capacity concerns, operations concerns, training concerns, and so forth. The second part where technology is affecting a lot is, is technologies in computer vision, you know? So the, the other aspect of AI is, one is natural language processing, what look, looks at, looks at you know, language and stuff. But the second aspect is AI that looks at vision, uh, looks at uh, radiographs, right? It was done in, 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 in medicine for a long time um, before, before it came into dental. But there's companies out there right now, like Coral, uh, that, are, that are looking at radiographs and, and trying to standardize diagnosis, right? Uh, what, what, what they have seen across the board is that there is a huge variance in how, how treatments are diagnosed. Uh, the same dentist will diagnose a treatment plan worth $100 and another dentist uh, for the same treatment plan will diagnose $1,000. And so, so there is a huge opportunity um, for, for the dental industry to take advantage of, of these models, uh, these um, computer vision models that are looking uh, very deeply inside the x-ray to see things that sometimes a human eye may not see. It doesn't mean that the dentists are bad at reading x-rays. That's not the point. The point is the ability for a AI to see things that normally humans don't see is what AI is, right? In, in, the, in our context, it's the same thing. It's that you didn't notice that pattern or, or you didn't notice it quickly enough. If you had all the time in the world, you could see an x-ray for like 15 minutes. Great. Maybe you could see everything, but there's no time. And you want to understand uh, why, why? So, so you want to understand that. And then it's also a matter of patient trust in, in, in that world, right? Because sometimes patients don't trust the dental uh, dentist that, oh, uh, are you just doing it because, you know, you want to buy that next Mercedes or whatever it is, the, the, the nice car outside. Uh, are, are you telling me the right thing? So now it's helping earn patient trust because now the diagnosis is right in front. Like, oh, you have bone loss of 30%. If you don't take care of this crown right now, your bone loss could be 50% and you could lose the tooth. That is that. So now, now we can now, it's no longer opinion. It's just math, right? And so you can't argue with math. You know, it 
two plus two is always four. And, and, and now you, you see 30% bone loss, 50% bone loss, uh, or you see that your restoration for your crown needs to be replaced. Uh, there is a, a mathematical formula that the computer um, vision uh, system is going to give you that makes you feel that, oh, I can trust this. This is not just the doctor telling me, looks like I need to do this or I need a root canal, whatever it is. So that's where um, AI is helping a lot. Uh, I think, and, and then the third thing I said earlier, AI is actually um, working, which is not truly AI yet, um, but it, it, it's helping uh, understand claims and, 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 and making sure that the, the revenue cycle management process where we are filing the right claims and AI is helping uh, in, in making sure that our claim process is complete we're attaching all the things or it's it's figuring out that hey maybe you're not attaching everything to get paid right um, uh, you you can for example get paid for a uh, a panoramic x-ray and a white wing at the same time so so ai is thinking through some of these things that mistakes humans could make and and getting us to be better at getting insurance processing done um, robotic process automation is not ai uh, it's just a matter of training a robot to do human things, but that's helping as well. Um, but I think AI is going to be introduced in some of these things, and it has already been um, to kind of help help optimize collections. So those are, I think, those are three things. I think acquire new patients of the right kind, diagnose them better, and get more case acceptance, and help you collect more money. Those are three ways I think AI is helping DSOs and dental practices right now. Amol, do you see that this is widely being adopted at DSO specifically by dental practices? And uh, for those who have not adopted it, I guess, where do you learn to find out more and get uh, perhaps as, you know, as caught up to speed as yourself? It's not widely adopted. Any new technology, there's early adopters. That's right. And, and those guys are, we're in the early adoption phase right now. Um, we're not nowhere close to being a mature market as of AI goes. I think the advent of chat GPT is going to accelerate people's attention towards AI. Not that chat GPT is the answer for everything. I mean, it's just not right. Uh, there, there's limitations for generative AI and everything else, but what chat GPT has done very, very quickly since last October when it was launched, it has shown focus and it's, shi it's shining a focus on AI and what it can do. So I think we're still in a very early adoption stage. Do you think, uh, is there 10% adoption of AI? No, I don't think there's even 10% adoption, maybe 5%. Oh, yeah. But I think we're going to have an exponential curve over the next few years, um, driven by all the advances in AI that have not necessarily related to dentistry, but, but they're just overall and overall acceptability of AI and, and all that stuff. So. So I think the next five to 10, five years are gonna be incredibly amazing uh, for technology, for AI, uh, to really take, uh, to become a utility. At some point it's gonna become a utility, right? Uh, it's, it's nowhere close to it today, but at, at some point people will say, we have to know this. We have to have this. It's like you have to have a power on, you have to have air conditioning or heat during the winter. Uh, you have to have AI because without that, we can't run our practices. We, we don't want to run the old school practices. So the, the transformation of that, you know, typewriters took a little while, right? When word processors came out, it took, it took, it took a little bit. Um, computers as well uh, in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, they took a little while to kind of get there. 
in industrial revolutions, the machine took a little while to do the stuff that the humans used to do. Um, and, but, but, but it's not if it's just when, um, and my prediction is that I think it's going to happen a lot faster, um, over the next five years, uh, and, and people who actually adopt this early, the early adopters are going to win. The early adopters of technology are going to absolutely are going to win, have an outsized. Now, in five years from now, you adopt technology. Yes, you will grow at 4%, right? But you do it today, right? You are going to have a unfair competitive advantage. It happens every time, right? Anybody who does something new, takes a risk, adopts technology that's going to change the practices. And it's an informationally efficient, inefficient world, right? People who know, they adopt. Um, so early adopters have an, a, a distinct advantage in, in um, growing faster, being more profitable, making more money. And I absolutely, I'm seeing that already. You know, if you adopt technology earlier, you adopt marketing automation, you adopt uh, AI, you adopt some of the new tools, you are going to grow faster than people who are not. Yeah. And on top of it, I mean, it just feels like the introduction of all of this AI that has happened in GBT and all these tools and the colliding of the issue of kind of like labor shortage in the dental market have hit at the same point. So the question that dentists or practices really have to ask is how am I going to get the work done? Are you going to continue to really spend hours and hours looking to backfill roles or hire people or are there small efficiencies that you can gain by looking into AI? For those three topics that you kind of provided and laid out on on growth and diagnosis and also the collections piece right those are so many tireless hours of just repetition over and over and over so figuring out hey is there a new technology that i could be using whether it's patient prism or next health or you know i'm sure there's tons of tools specifically around collections um, that i think practices are going to greatly benefit from not even just from a growth perspective, but really just from a, a labor and cost perspective as well. Yeah. You have to create time, right? Time is the more scarce commodity. Right? That's right. Um, and if you're, if you're getting your humans doing things, it also doesn't do great for, for retaining people. Right. As I said, you know, you look right now, the ADA survey said 39% of front office people in dentistry are looking for new jobs. 39%. Why? And, 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 and actually, it's anywhere between 20 and 40% is all the people who are looking to change jobs. And some of them are moving away from the industry. So, so what we have to do is we have to make their jobs easier. We have to give them the tools that will allow them to do things that make them more fulfilled and not like stay on the phone for two hours, right? And, and make them more efficient. And you want the, the, the next generation of of kids who are coming into the workforce, and I call them kids now, I cannot believe that, um, are looking to grow. They're, they're looking to make money, but they're also looking to to do cool things and, and, and to to adopt things where they, they can really take their God-given gifts and, and, and deploy them at the highest level. Whether you're a dentist, you want to apply, you know, perform at the highest level, but even if you are a front office person, you want to perform at the highest level. Right, and you don't want to you don't want to feel that you're in an environment where it's a dead end, where there's no learning happening. So, so absolutely, is, is technology an option today? No, it's not. Um, but we've got in order for us to even retain our people, 
and inspire them and continuously motivate them to perform at the highest levels. We have to support them uh, with technology that will allow them to do better things than just the stuff, the mundane routine stuff that all healthcare practices have done for the last 20, 25, 30, 40 years. Yep. And that's really, uh, so it's, it's an imperative. It's not an option. Not everybody's going to get that imperative in 2023. The guys who do understand that it's an imperative are going to benefit handsomely because their people are going to reward them. The team members are going to reward them with loyalty. Like, man, I like that my, my companies invest in technology. I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm getting to upgrade my skills. They're, they're, they're giving me opportunity to talk to patients and do other things that I really love. I don't necessarily love, uh, you know, doing mundane stuff. It's not, it's boring. It's like, it's not, 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 not food for my soul or my mind. That's right. Um, Amal, we're coming out. I mean, we're, I've been really enjoying the conversation. You're extremely wise in all the AI stuff here. Um, but I want to make sure that you got any last thoughts in um, before we close out for this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if I was a DSO today, right, um, I have multiple priorities. And I am technically a vendor in the space. And you go, you guys, there's not, you go to a DSO show, there's 500 people. Right? Um, how do you choose technology? How do you choose what to, to adopt? Um, given that there is a lot of noise out there. Oh, you need this for that, this for that, this for that. You, know, you, need, you need, apparently you need 19 other technologies right now to run your DSO. And there, that, that's a frustration, right? So how do you choose technology that's going to help you grow the business and not be, you know, not be so suffocating to your team members, right? So one of the things that I, I talk to people about is that first and foremost, you have to pick technology that makes life easier, not harder. Right? That makes the people, your team members, if, if you're going to give them another thing to do, and, and, and it's going to burden them with more tasks to do, then it, first of all, it's not going to be adopted. People are not going to use it, right? So you have to figure out what technology are out there that are helping you, you consolidate things right, into, into a, a smaller amount of solutions. You cannot do one solution for everything. It's just not out there, right? But instead of 19 solutions, can you use 10? Right? Are there technologies that allow you to consolidate the tech stack that are gonna help you um, so that you can focus on things, right? Um, you also wanna focus on technologies that are gonna give you insight and foresight, not just hindsight. So that are gonna give you things to do um, not just like loads and loads and loads of KPIs. Nobody cares about them. The more KPIs you see, the more blind you get to all the information, and then you ignore everything. So who is going to give you, what technology is going to give you the insight and foresight and the tools to act upon, right? If somebody canceled, I want to fill that cancellation. If somebody didn't book, I want to rebook them. If somebody didn't, 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 didn't accept treatment, I want to diagnose them better, right? I want the time is important. Timing is, people don't have time and we want to be able to save time. And so we want technologies that are going to give us more time uh, and that are going to help us uh, develop insight. Right? First, we want to consolidate the stack into a, a, a smaller stack so that we can focus on using those things, otherwise not focusing on anything. Second, we want to be able to give them insight and foresight and give them the tools, just the right tools to help them do their jobs better. The third thing is, is 
that many DSOs struggle with. Um, it's easy to technology, technology is easy to buy, but it's not easy to operationalize, right? So, so you need a team, you need to figure out who, not how, right? A famous Dan Sullivan quote, who, not how, like, how are we going to empower leadership within the organization for change management? How are we going to adopt technology where people actually buy into the idea that, hey, this is going to help? Who? The most important person to help in dental, dental business is the patient, right? That's the most important person we're trying to help here. We're trying to get them to better health. And as long as all of us try very hard to get that patient in the door and get them to their optimal oral health and overall health, we're all winning, right? We don't have to worry about EBITDAs and, and, and valuations and none of that stuff. What matters is are we empowering the society to become healthier? And so how do we operationalize that happens through leadership, happens through the concept of who, not how, right? Who do we empower? Who do we make the champion of that person in the organization that can take the bull by its horns, convince people that this is the right thing, get the change management happening at the DSO level? And, and, and there is some good thinking around that. We have failed many, many times, Alec, over the last seven years in figuring out the change management piece. And we very, very, very much have, have focused our last two years in thinking like, hey, we're dealing with people. This is a people business. And this you can't just fly by night. Oh, I got this fancy AI. Nobody cares. What people care about is their problems. And and, and we have to we have to solve their problems. We have to get the team members to 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 understand that this is solving their problem. This is reducing the amount of work that they don't like to do. And operationalizing this is, is big. Right? If you can't operationalize any of this stuff, no matter how cool it is, you can, you can you know, build the next bot that's going to do dentistry on its own. It, nobody cares about that. People care about their problems. People care about their teams. People care about their retention. People care about their own jobs. And we have to make sure as technology companies in this space, we have to make sure we help these DSOs and dental practices um, um, adopt this in a way that it's going to make an impact and it's not going to create more aversion to like, oh my God, another thing to do, right? Um, so that's, I think, it, are my last thoughts really is, is we got to empower people to be leaders and we got to figure out how that leadership process is going to work in the organization so that we can adopt this technology in a way that it's going to empower everybody to be their best selves, uh, improve the patient experience, grow your practice top line and bottom line, and really help you do your most important job is to serve your patients and to get them to the most, the best health possible. And if we have done that as dentistry, then, then we have all won, regardless of our EBITDA or regardless of the valuation that we're gonna eventually be at. Very good. Um, Amol, thank you so much for having or joining us on the show today. Um, it was a great conversation. I know everybody's going to learn a lot, specifically on the AI stuff. Um, but we'll definitely be in touch. I'd love to have you back on the show. Thank you so much, Ellie. Thanks. Thanks.